0: Welcome to the Brush with Brit podcast. I'm your host, Britt, and this podcast is dedicated to advancing the profession of dental hygienist. It's the mentor I never had, and it's the place that I created specifically for you to feel connected and understood. With each episode, you'll find information that will encourage you to become a whole health dental hygienist and truly start to build the connection between oral and systemic health. Our education doesn't stop when hygiene school is over, and this is the place where you will gain the tools you need to ignite your passion and truly embrace what it means to hold the title Registered Dental Hygienist. In today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Stephanie Botts. We have... Actually recorded. Um, I believe this is our third episode, so we do have two previous episodes, which I highly recommend listening to. Um, they're both about ergonomics, but today's episode is actually a little different. We wanted to talk about impostures syndrome. And I feel like this is pretty um, prevalent within dental hygienists just because school teaches us to be perfectionists. So in this episode, Stephanie and I basically break down what it was like in our experience with imposter syndrome and basically how we have learned to get past it and also how to handle it. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode of Brush With Brit. Ms. Stephanie Botts has been a clinical dental hygienist for over 14 years. She is a certified ergonomics assessment specialist providing both in-office and virtual ergonomics consulting and coaching to dental professionals. She also provides continuing education to dental and dental hygiene associations on the topic of ergonomics. Her experience as a clinical dental hygienist and ergonomics expert has allowed her to recognize the unique challenges of practicing pain-free in the dental setting. Stephanie believes that by learning effective strategies to optimize proper ergonomics both inside and outside the operatory, dental professionals can practice pain-free and ensure career longevity. She can be reached through her website at www.polishedposture.net. Or through email at Stephanie at polishedposture.net. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Brush with Brit podcast. I am here with my bestie who I have had on the podcast. I think this is our third one together. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Stephanie. Good morning.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Well, I guess it's, I know it's, I guess it's afternoon now. Thank you Brett, for having me. It's always fun to chat with you.
0: Thanks for coming on again. I feel like both of our um, careers have gone through a lot of different things and we get to share all of that information with everybody listening. And today I'm super excited to just kind of talk about some, I feel like it's kind of random things, not necessarily like clinical stuff. Our past two podcasts were the loops. Um, We talked about Mm -hmm. the ergonomic loops and then um, just ergonomics in general. So this is kind of taking a different turn, which I'm kind of excited for. Um, And I really wanted to focus on or start off with um, imposter syndrome because I feel like this is a hot topic for new grads and um, probably even when you start to get to like your second or third year with experience, you still can kind of have that imposter syndrome. And, um, you've had a lot of experience in dental hygiene. And so I want to know, like, what was your experience with imposter syndrome? Did you have that or how did you handle it?
1: Yeah. I mean, yes, I had it for sure. Probably the first, five years of my career kind of off and on. And then now that I've taken a different path and started a company, I mean, it's, it's intense. <laughs> so yes, I've experienced that. Um, And I think that, you know, it's like, when you get out of school, you have all of this book knowledge or technical skills, but you don't necessarily, you haven't been trained how to put it all together with patients. And so you get out and you start talking with patients and it's like, oh my God, I'm talking to them about perio. Do I even understand perio? Like, do I know? You know, and it's like, we do, yes. We went to school for it, but it really, really starts to mess with your head. What about you?
0: Um, I feel like I definitely had it a little bit at the beginning, but I feel like part of that kind of stemmed from constantly hearing fake it till you make it. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> throughout high school. yeah I, I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with that saying at all anymore, but, um, I just heard that so much that I feel like it kind of gets in your head and it makes you believe that you're faking this role of being a dental hygienist and you're not, you're literally just starting out yeah. in your career and you are licensed, educated, you went through the schooling, but it's just like picking up the pieces and putting them all together and making them work in clinical, um, thankfully I feel like my experience in dentistry, like being an assistant before really helped me not have so much of that because I had confidence in a lot of things, um, from being an assistant. So I already knew how to talk about like procedures and things like that, but there was still kind of this, um, like if I saw a patient that was a SRP and I had a hard time with it, it was almost like am I even like meant to do this? Like, do I even know what yeah. I'm doing? Do I even know how to scale that that tooth? Like, why couldn't I get it off? So it was just kind of like this back and forth thing until I realized like, sometimes you're just not going to be able to clean everything. And also you're yeah. going to learn a lot along the way. So you're just constantly like in this growing state and you're never just going to be like the perfect hygienist because we're constantly
1: learning. Yeah. That's and that's kind of okay. Experience. Well, and that's all right. Like, I think that, yeah, the fake it to the make it thing. Like, I'm not a fan of that um, at all. And I think that we, especially as dental hygienists, we are perfectionists. Um, and when we go through school, it's almost like that perfectionism is being fed by how we're being instructed. Like you have to get, you have to identify these clicks. You have to remove every piece of calculus. There can't be any stain. And it's just sorry, but that's not the reality when you get out into practice. Um, And it took me a long time to realize that it's okay if you don't get everything. The patient is much better than they were when they came in. And hopefully we can get it next time, or hopefully we can talk to the patient and coach them on their hygiene. But we put so much on ourselves and it's just, we're really, I think, doing ourselves a disservice by being such perfectionists.
0: Yeah, I think too, like in school, um, just learning that like you have to get every single piece and there is no other way. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that just isn't very effective. And then you get so stuck on removing pieces of calculus when that ultimately may not be the only thing that matters. Like there's a lot more to it. There's biofilm, there's education, you know, OHI and all that stuff that that matter just as much as removing a piece of calculus. And so Um, I think in school, it would have worked better if I was taught how to manage patients that I can't remove everything. Like, what do I do now? Thankfully, I know what to do. But at the time, you just sit there and you're like, okay, I can't get it. And then you just like don't even know what to do. And you think you're a terrible hygienist and you think you're just faking it.
1: Yeah. And you feel like a failure. I mean, some of these comments like that I see on social media about hygienists, um, their patients coming back and that same piece of radiographic calculus is there and they're just beating themselves up. And I, I used to do that too, but especially with everything, you know, about like GBT, I know you're doing that now. It's not all about removing calculus. And I just wish that we were taught in school that, And we were taught maybe how to manage our time because, um, four hours for an appointment, you know, for a profi, you don't get that in real life. And we don't really, we, at least in my program, we didn't get a whole lot of coaching on time management. So it was kind of thrown to the wolves, you know, that first year trying to figure everything out.
0: Yeah. Just today, I actually, um, saw a brand new dental hygienist. She has been working for one week and her first question to me was, how do I like, how do I manage my schedule? And we only had like two minutes to talk. And I was like, I have so many things to tell you. I cannot just tell you in two minutes, but that's the hard part. And she said that at her school, her appointments were like four to five hours long. And now she's been working a week with like one hour appointments. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. So I agree too. I think that um, time management could definitely be uh, taught better in some hygiene programs. I guess it's also not to say that we should be missing calculus all the time but i think it's well, more yeah, yeah like, i think it's more just to for those really difficult patients to understand how to handle those situations um but that's where i learned that's why there is a periodontist that is why there mm-hmm. is notes and i also learned that it, you should be telling your patient as well which that's what i do if i have a tough area i will tell tell the patient straightforward this area is very tenacious it's hard for me to get off i don't think i can get it off I will try my best and we'll reevaluate next visit if it's still there and it's not getting better then we'll refer you to the gum specialist and then same thing I go to my notes and I'm like informed patient of tenacious calculus in this area reeval next visit all that stuff but I didn't know that right away <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it, it does take, I I love that you do that. And I think really at the end of the day, it's just what's in the best interest of the patient. Like, do you have a quad that you could probably spend another 30 minutes on maybe have them come back before their next cleaning appointment or have them come back sooner. Um, so it is about the best interest in the patient and obviously documenting everything, but this whole trying to be perfect and, and almost shaming ourselves or like shaming other people for making a mistake in the mouth. It's like, You never know what the situation was at that time. You never knew, know what that provider was. Even like if I see um, fillings with overhangs, you know, it used to be the biggest pet peeve of mine, but I understand now fillings are very difficult to do. And especially if you've got a difficult patient. So it's like, we just need to give each other some grace. And I think that that will help us with our perfectionism and that imposter syndrome too. Yeah,
0: I agree. And it allows for us to teach each other too, you know, like things like that, you know, you keep seeing if you see open contacts or things like that, it, I mean, it does happen, but it's also good to to realize that you don't know what was going on in that appointment or in that day. Um, So like you said, just giving each other some grace in that area. And um, like I told that new hygienist today, I said, you're going to be okay. It's okay. I have popped off a lingual bar. I have popped off a filling. I have popped off a <laughs> yeah. crown. You're going to be okay. It happens. But when it happens, it's, you just have to know how to address it. And you're definitely not alone. Like we've all been no. through these things.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing with imposter syndrome too, is I feel like we, when we start experiencing that, like doubting ourselves or thinking we're not good enough or that we don't know what we're talking about. We can very easily kind of go down this rabbit hole if we're just thinking about it of our, in ourselves. But if we start talking about it, like what people are doing on social media and supporting each other, that's going to make it so much better. So I think it is important to talk about it and just be like, does this happen to you or does it just mm-hmm. happen to me? Like, what what do you do in this situation? And And yeah, we can all just learn and grow together.
0: Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that has helped me too, is just having such a like large circle of hygienists around me and being able to connect with so many people and being like, Hey, this happened to me. Like, what did you do? Like, how did you handle it? And that's the other reason why Facebook group pages are so great. I mean, they can be negative at times, but on the good side of it, you know, you can reach out to people and find people there and um, seek advice there as well. So I love that.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, I was going to say something else about imposter syndrome. Like, um, Oh, it's <laughs> like when you start like doubting yourself, I think at least with me, I, I kind of tell myself stories that are not true. <laughs> like I remember something negative that happened or a mistake I made. And I just kind of go off on a tangent based off of that mistake. But that mistake doesn't define me. You know, it was just something that happened. And so I think that- um, Sorry, I just lost my train of train of thought. Oh, I think that remembering like what are facts and what is just in your head and being very clear about, okay, what's actually real and what am I just making up here, Mm -hmm. which for me anyway, that took a long time for me to develop that habit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What, like what you feed yourself is really what you ultimately end up feeling. So that's why I just heard this new saying, um, uh, embrace it and, um, embrace it. No, wait, face it until you embrace it. That's what it is. Instead of fake it, instead of fake it it till you make it. right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that makes so much
1: more sense to me. (laughs) I'm like that, that will
0: allow you the opportunity to be a new hygienist and just understand that you're growing in that phase instead of just thinking that you're just faking it all the time. Like just embrace that, that stage of your career. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, like if you have a patient and you're, for example, um, if you have a patient with like a a ton of stain, um, and you can't get it all off in one appointment, one appointment, it's okay to be honest with that patient and say, listen, I can't get this all off. You need to come back for another cleaning, um, at another day where we have another hour appointment. And it's not that like, that's a perio patient or something like that. This is just the example of like, a patient that I had with a lot of stain and sometimes, and a lot of the time the patient ends up being open to it. And I, so I think there's like this big thing with, Oh, if I recommend a four month cleaning, like they're not going to like that, you know, they want their six month cleaning. I, I, am all the time. I don't even care about insurance or what insurance covers. I go based off of what I see in the mouth. And that is what I always tell my patients now. And I just feel so much more confident in that. Like I will always say I recommend a three month cleaning because of this. And if they say, Oh, well, is that going to be covered by insurance? I always say, I'm not, I'm not sure about your insurance, but um, what I recommend is based off of what I'm seeing in the mouth. And so that kind of has helped me just understand like, and be confident in what I want to recommend to the patient. Cause I feel like, at first, I just was always in my head, like, Oh, the patient isn't going to like it. If I say like they want four months or they're not going to accept it. But at the end of the day, like they don't need to accept it, but they need to know what, what I would recommend. And it's up to them to either accept it or schedule whatever they want to schedule.
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's really, I remember hearing very early in my career at a CE, someone was like, if you aren't informing your patient, like whatever the situation is in their mouth, like you're taking a choice away from them, which we have no right to do that. And that has always stuck with me. And so it's like, yeah, if someone has perio, if they have a suspicious lesion that I want them to see the um, oral cancer specialist or uh, oral surgeon about, um, if they have stain and they want to come in, like, I just I just present them what I think exactly what you're saying. And and it's up to them if they choose to do it or not. But I've got so many patients that are on two, three, four month recare and they're not perio. It's because of other issues. And I would, when offices are really insurance based, um, obviously we know the issues with that, but that's a disservice to the patient, but it's also a disservice to the practice. Because if you think about it on the financial side, if patients are coming in and doing a couple extra cleanings a year and they're paying out of pocket, that can actually add up quite a bit for the practice um, because you're not writing it through insurance, right? You're getting a full fee there or close to a full fee. Um, so, yeah, I think it's always in the best interest of the patient. And you would be surprised when you educate patients what they're willing to do. One
0: hundred percent. I have. I think like the majority of my patients are on three to four month profies. Mm-hmm. There, I I have very little that are actually like within health, like generalized health. And I'm like, you're actually a true six months. So it's I mean, like I rare like, to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it's even for myself as a hygienist, I would prefer to get my teeth cleaned every three to four months. And I do all the yeah. stuff I'm supposed to do. <laughs>
1: Right. Just to stay on top of it.
0: Yeah. And, um, so I guess just with imposter syndrome too, um, it goes, I feel like it gets better over time. It definitely does. I don't feel like I have it. Um, I don't feel like I have it in, in that, in that part of my career anymore, like clinical, I feel like I have it more in like the speaking and writing aspect of things, but not, but not clinical.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of there too. Um, I mean, obviously I've been doing this for like almost 15 years. So I, I pretty much know what I'm doing in the laboratory, but when I go out, like working on my business or like speaking or even doing some stuff on social media, I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm not super confident here. And so it's like, all that's coming back now.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's how I feel too. Like, and then, you know, I just started doing small gigs with speaking and stuff. And I just like, wonder, like, am I supposed to be doing this? Like, is this the direction I'm supposed to be going in? And I'm just like, embrace it, embrace
1: it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you kind of, yeah, you just do. And I almost said fake it till you make it, but we're not saying that anymore. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of like knowing that you're new, knowing that you're going to make some mistakes. And I've made so I've said the dumbest stuff sometimes in some of my lectures, it's like cringy. But like, you learn from that, you know, and it's okay. And I'm kind of like, I bombed once a few years ago, totally bombed one of my first lectures. It was really embarrassing. Um, It's probably not as bad as what I have it in my head, but I learned a lot from that. And so I think that people just need to realize, like, if you're starting something new, yes, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to embarrass yourself. Um, Some people aren't going to agree with what you're saying, but if you have a passion and a mission, like, just go for it, you know, and it's all going to work out. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I have listened to you speak and you're so good and you didn't bomb it at all. So you're amazing.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. It was a rough start though, a few years ago.
0: (laughs) I wanted to talk about too, because I feel like another thing that's pretty big um, in dental offices is is office dynamics or office drama, so to speak. And I I guess I don't really want to focus on like all of the details of drama but more so how to handle it and what to do Um, for me as an assistant I definitely worked in I pretty much say my whole eight years of as an assistant was in toxic work environments for the most part Um, but I don't feel that I fully learned how to like communicate and I'm still learning um, all that kind of stuff but it's definitely gotten better but all of my years as a dental assistant, I kind of just dealt with it. And I didn't really know how to react with it or how to like problem solve or any of those things. So I'm wondering, like, do you have any advice on how to go about navigating um, office dynamics?
1: Yeah, um, that's I, I feel like that's a really good topic, especially for right now. Um, I would like if we're talking about gossip, I, me personally, and I know that that happens in practices, but I do not engage in any kind of gossip. If the person isn't there, um, I don't talk about them. And if there's like, if we're in a group setting and people, it starts going down that road, I will physically walk away, or I will try to steer the conversation in a different direction because it's just, whenever you're involved in gossip, you're also being gossiped about at some point, you know, and that's not a good feeling. Um, and I think to just like, you know, if there's negativity, if the, if the hygienist and the assistant are getting along, or the assistant and the doc or whatever it is, um, I'm just very solutions oriented. I don't want to stand around and talk about, you know, how so-and-so did this or that, or the doc said this. I want to find a solution for that. And so I think, I I do think that that's a good way to go about it is just don't get involved in all of that crap and just try to find a solution. And if there is no solution, it might be better for you and your mental health to find somewhere else to be.
0: Yeah. Which some, sometimes that is the answer. And I always get the question of like, when, when does somebody know that they should leave an office? And I, I mean, mean, if you're <laughs> dreading
1: going to work, if you're crying after work, if you've got yeah. an elevated, you know, if you're, um, if you can't sleep, if you can't eat, or if you're eating too much or whatever, if you're just stressed out all the time, that's a pretty good indicator, I think.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with my first job as a hygienist, I loved the office, loved the majority of the people that I worked with. And that's kind of where I, that's where I was at is, you know, like my hair started to fall out. And oh, there was gosh. one day, like Good I think you to... have a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> there was one day I had to like actually call out of work because my anxiety was so high. And um, and that was when I knew um I was yeah. new. It was it was time to change. And even now, like I still have a great relationship with the office. And like, I just went there today and visited them and everything like that. So it's not to say that the office is bad, but it's just, you know, there's sometimes there's just people that don't click. And if it's not going to click or not going to change, then sometimes that means finding a better, a better place. But I don't think that the grass is always greener on the other side either. So um, don't just like think that you have to leave every single office because I feel like friction or like problems are going to occur at every office in some type of way. I don't think there is such thing as like a perfect office. There's going to be days where you run behind or sterilization is backed up or whatever, but I feel like it's more about how you handle it. Um, because I just don't think that there's like the perfect office for everybody out there. I think it's more just like finding a good office and learning how to, like you said, problem solve and, um, be resolution driven.
1: Yeah. And it, and it does, it does depend on the office. Like the, I've worked at some offices where it's been a mess, but they want to get better, you know, and they just want to know like, how can they get better? So that's much different than an office is just like you either put up with it or get out, you know, and that's like, I'll just get out you know, <laughs> if I run into that. Um, but yeah, it it can be, it can be challenging, but I think a lot of us too, we wait too long to make a move. Um, Because we're like, this is fine. Like I can put up with it. It's okay. And man, like swallowing that and just like tamping it down, it's going to explode at some point. And it's not pretty when that happens. I mean, that's happened to me a few times and it's just, it's not good. (laughs) So I think too, you want to decide how do you want to feel at work? Do you want to work in a practice that values you, that um, like pushes you in a good way, um, that provides CE, that, you know, whatever benefits you want, like try to think about what you want. And if you're not getting it at that practice, see if you can get it. And if not, you know, maybe, maybe look for different options.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I love about my new office is that um, with the doctor, we are able to have like open communication when it comes to certain things. And like, for instance, um, we have the airflow and there, we have to, we can move it around to different operatories, but when it comes to seeing a new patient, sometimes that can just be a, it can be a pain to move equipment. You probably know because ergonomics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and so me and the other hygienists, you know, we had that conversation, like, listen, doc, like, It is such a pain to move all the equipment over to like the new patient room. Like when it comes down to that and it was, it was just bringing it up to the doctor and explaining to him and like showing him why it's such a pain. And it was just this thing where like, he had no idea, but if we had never said anything and we just like keep dealing with it, then we just end up resenting the whole situation. But in reality, it's like, you just needed to bring it up and talk to them about it.
1: And was that because I do feel like that's a problem for some people. They're just scared to bring things up. So was that hard for you to bring that up to the doc or were you just like, Hey, like this isn't working? I think for,
0: I think at the point in like where I'm at now in my career, I feel very like willing to do that. And he was very open to that. He's a very sweet doctor. So I felt like the completely comfortable doing it. I wasn't like afraid. Um, and we have open conversations with all kinds of stuff like that. And I think that that helps a lot is just that open communication. Um, and I feel the same way. Like if there's something I do, that's not working for him. Like I hope that he would know that he could just tell me and and I would be willing to just find a solution about it.
1: Yeah. And and I'm sure, I mean, you're a very open person. I'm sure that he would feel comfortable hopefully. Um, but I think too, like we, the docs or practice owners or whoever, they're not mind readers. Okay. They've got like, they, now that I'm on the business side of this, I cannot imagine the stress of owning a practice, let alone multiple practices. So they don't know what we're going through unless we talk about it. And I would say in my experience, um, most practice owners and most doctors really, really care about their team, but they have to know what the problems are. And if we're not being vocal, like they have no idea and they think everything is fine.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I learned over time too. As an assistant, I just would like buckle up and deal with the issues or just bottle them up, but I wouldn't actually find a solution for anything. And there just wasn't that dynamic where we were trying to fix things. It was more just like going on the day to day. And I feel like that had to do a lot with the type of working environments that I was in. So I feel like as new hygienists, the best thing you can do is like learn um, how to communicate and focus on solutions. Like that is the the best way to um, bring up a problem and already have a solution in your head on how you're going to fix it. Like I, that's how I always like to address it when we're at meetings and stuff. If I bring something up, I always have an idea of what's going to fix the problem. So then everybody's like, Oh yeah, I think we can, we can do it that way. And then it goes over a lot more smooth, a lot more smoothly than just being like, Oh, this is the issue. This is the issue. And then it just sounds like you're complaining.
1: Yeah. And I, I, every like Practice owner, leader, whatever has said that exact thing. Like, yes, bring me a problem, but also bring me a solution. So I think it's great great that you do that. Um, We have to remember too that, yes, we are part of a team. And yes, most of us are employed by a practice. However, um, our health, our mental health, how we handle things, that's our responsibility. Like, and we have to be accountable for that. So if you're showing up to a practice that there's a lot of gossip or drama or um, bullying or whatever it is. Like that sucks, but ultimately it's, it's up to you if you're going to put up with that or not. And I think that we just have to, I have to remind myself that I'm accountable for my feelings and my emotions and all of that. And I think that that's a good message for all of us to remember.
0: Yeah, that's true. And we can practice that on a daily basis. It's just like remembering that and just going about our days and kind of um, recognizing too when a problem happens. I used to be very, very reactive, like always react, react, react. But now it's like when something happens, I don't react, I, I soak it in. And then I think about it for like a day. And then I address it the next day, if still need be. And sometimes it's just like, in the moment, I'm just like worked up. And then it ends up being like, just fine. The next day, I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't say anything.
1: Yeah. And it's so tempting too. That's a hard habit to get into is just taking that pause because we could just pop off immediately, you know? Um, but I heard, I, I can't remember if I heard on a podcast or read in a book, but they were like, when you're in an emotional state, like an, an aroused, not weird aroused, but like aroused emotional state, um, you cannot make rational decisions. Like it's impossible. And so if you're upset about something, it's probably not the best time to make a decision. Like don't quit. Don't like yell at whoever, you know, just take a minute like what you're saying. And, and usually the next day or a couple of days later, you can rationally think about it and make a better decision that way.
0: Yeah. And you know, the other thing that really helped me, um, so when we went to RDH evolution last year, um, I know that you mentioned like the business side of things. I just first want to mention that. Um, That was where I learned about some of the business part of dentistry. And it definitely opened my eyes to um, what the dentist is going through. Although I have no idea still, it helped me understand production a little bit more. Um, but what it also helped me learn. So we did the disc personality test and I felt like that was really helpful. I've, I've done it a couple of times and I feel like you kind of get different results when you're thinking about different situations. Like we did like a work disc test and my like personality was different from like my everyday like DISC test. So I just feel like knowing different personality types can also kind of help you navigate some of the office dynamics.
1: Totally. I feel like every practice should have everyone do that because if you understand that someone's like a high D or whatever, you can approach them in a different way. And it just really heightens the emotional IQ of all of us.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I will, um, I can link that too for everybody that's listening. So you can take the test and just, I, I just think it's good to know what you are. Um, and then you can kind of start to recognize what your coworkers are and even your patients. And it helps a lot.
1: It really does. Yeah. Cause you, you need to meet people where they're at. Right. I hear that all the time. And that that's something that can really help us. Once we realize what those personality traits are, we can be like, okay, I'm going to approach this patient in this way. Like I approach an aggressive, like a high D patient, much different than I approach someone else. Like it's almost weird how different it is, but that's how you get results. You know, it's really just understanding people.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom here on the podcast. I think that you just have so much to share and all of the listeners are definitely, you know, soaking up all of the information that you are giving us. So thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today.
1: Of course. Thank you. Well, it's, we talk all the time anyway, so we might as well record it, right? Um, we should just start I, recording I our phone calls. <laughs> Yeah. Just posting them. Um, I appreciate what you're doing too. Like, I just wish that cause I'm older and social media was not, I mean, it was around, but it wasn't part of my life when I was in hygiene school. And I just wish that I had somewhat like a platform like you to look at or other, some of these other um, hygiene influencers, because I just, you guys have such a positive message and I just, I really, I wish I would have had that when I was in school. So I appreciate it. And all these new grads are just so lucky to have you. Well
0: the the other thing that I want to mention too is that like you have so many years of experience and I just want you to know as an experienced hygienist like you have made a tremendous difference in my career. Um, And that goes a long way. And I think that everybody listening here should just know that there are experienced hygienists out there like you that are absolutely amazing and welcoming to new grads. And it just makes me like so excited for the future of hygiene. So thank you.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Don't like make me cry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening until next time. We'll see you then.